0: Hello, you tuning in to Psycomedy. It's Rafaela here from ThreadUp. ThreadUp brings exciting new changes to its services in direct response to what we learned while supporting comedians and creatives through the crisis with their mental health and including those who lost their income. Check it out at threadup.co.uk and get in touch to arrange your therapy that supports creativity.
1: comedy. I'm Nathan Cassidy, stand-up comedian and Bachelor of Science in Psychology. A subject I've been studying for 25 years and a quarter of a century of exploring the fascinating way our minds work on and off stage. Alongside being a stand-up for the last 10 years has led me here today discussing the psychology of comedy with a plethora of the best comedians in the world. Even though we can now see the light at the end of the Covid tunnel, we're still in lockdown and therefore with no live comedy so we continue with our monthly specials of psychomedy until normal service can continue, or whatever will pass for normal this summer. Things are still a bit bleak, but our recent episode, Happy Highlights, has been one of our most popular shows, so you obviously need some cheering up. So this month we bring you more Happy Highlights from the main show and the Daily Dose episodes. One of the areas I like to explore inside comedy is childhood. Naturally, what happens in our formative years says a lot about how we turn out as adults. Perhaps especially those of us who choose comedy as a profession. Pretty much every guest has had a colourful childhood, maybe none more so than Elf Lyons, who told me about the pressure to succeed in life instilled by her parents, and how her Nan facilitated a unique habit she had.
2: My parents have always been really supportive over what I do.
1: Yeah. But
2: the key was that they were always like, if you're going to do it, you do it well. Yeah. So my dad came to my first ever comedy gig and gave me some really hard feedback because <laughs> he was basically like, you're not very funny. And in hindsight, I was like, fuck you, dad. I'm 17 and I've never done comedy before.
1: And mm. also, that make you brought you all, all your time. work colleagues. I really? God.
2: I mean, um, they're really the hard they're really intense parents so mm. loving and they're so supportive yeah. but like we go hard we work we play hard work harder is pretty much the ca- catchphrase that or failure is not an option um which was from the Apollo mission you know is it Apollo 13 when they get yeah yeah so Apollo 13 the phrase was failure is not an option well, we will get these boys home And my dad always used to bring us up on that phrase so for everything failure is not an option
1: Right. Bring so, I mean, you up on that phrase. What? Say it regularly.
2: Yeah. I mean we've got it on coasters. We've got it on like <laughs> Why is that funny?
1: It's not funny at all.
2: We've got it like there's a big slide on the wall. Yeah, um, on the wall. Writes it myself. Most... No, we don't have any tea towels actually. Um right. Yeah.
1: So yeah, okay. Wet hands is an option. Like but, we are uh, a
2: pretty academic family. I mean, my dad the other day because can, can,
1: can we not move on from failures? <laughs> no option just yet okay. on coasters.
2: Yeah. Well, obviously.
1: Okay. How well they coasters? sell
2: them at the London at the Washington Science Museum on coasters. So my dad bought us all hats and said failure is not an option we <laughs> <She> you got these. <hoodies. laughs> Let's say failure. Actually I'm really upset because my hat, which says failure is not an option, has gone missing. And I'm genuinely devastated because it was that my sounds favourite. like a failure. Yeah. Oh devastated. Which proves
1: it's an option, you know? Um do you do you believe this? Failure is
2: not an option. Well, it depends how you classify failure. Because I, well, even though I've failure? mucked up lots of things, mm. I think failure is when you give up, and right. failure is when you not you don't do your hundred percent best. To it doesn't mean you have to get a hundred percent in the test. It doesn't mean that you're, yeah you know sixty percent isn't a failure. Whatever it is, <laughs> unless it's. But-
1: But did your dad clarify this when he he brought the coasters home? Did he say this is what failure means or?
2: No, but I mean, I was always just, I think, because I wasn't the traditional, like Lulu and Jared, my brother and sister, are both academic. Mm. I am, I know I'm clever, but I'm clever. I was really dyslexic, really dyspraxic, Mm. really socially anxious. Mm. And my parents had a lot of issues with trying to get me to fit in. So you know, failure was not an option, was sort of encouraged in, you like painting, great. You like doing drama. So they did everything in their power to make sure I had as much confidence as I could mm. for a really tall ginger girl that always had nits. Mm. And also I used to, I used to always, I got really into masturbating on furniture when I was a child at really young age. I used to like start, I used to rub my genitals against the sofa and so, my and I think doing that in public used to obviously really throw people. <laughs> and then my nanny Squeak really helped because she had a bowl of glass fruit. And she said, and I always used to do it, especially when Helen Mirren was on during Silent Witness as a kid. And so every time I went to like, so every time I was like, she went, look, every time, rather than rubbing yourself against the sofa... Here's a pear, and it was one of the glass pears. And she's, This is your happy pear. And every time you want to rub your bits, you can use the happy pear. And so I'd go, Okay, thank you, Nanny Squeak. And then we'd be watching a film. And then I'd go, Nanny, can I have my happy pear, please? And she'd give me my happy pear, and we'd just all watch a film. And I'd just rub myself with it until I felt happy. She'd go, Do you like that? And I'd go, Yeah, it makes me feel very happy. And she still got it. <laughs> she still got the glass fruit.
1: Oh, my God.
2: So, I mean, <laughs> my parents are quite open-minded, but still, you know, work hard.
1: Comedy can be a means of being honest with yourself and working out your demons, as Simon Day told me when talking about how and why he became a comic.
3: For me, that was what it was all about. And certainly, quite a few people I knew when I started out, too, they were people, certainly a lot of the top people I know now from my generation have all got personality disorders of some sort, however yeah. mild, and they've been through their battles with their demons. You know, I do. I did. It's very different the comedy scene now. You know, the, the young comedians they don't drink. Yeah. You know, it's 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 changed a lot and, and it's, it's a lot more sort of stand up and you don't have to be. A, I, I don't believe in that whole sort of thing of, oh, David Bowie's best albums when he was taking drugs. It's nonsense because you do your best work when, you, when you're sober. But for me, it was about that. It was about, you know, there was a bit of I'll show them and there was a bit of um, desperation. and There was a bit of, you know, what else am I going to do? And when I got a bit of success, it was like, yeah, right. Well, I, you know, I'm kind of fortified now by this. And I can sort of do what I want because I'm 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 a famous comedian, you know. Um, <laughs> all the wrong sort of mindsets to have, really. <laughs> but I've come to realise it's about making people laugh, that's, and that and that's really good for you karmically, and that's all yeah. it really is. That it's making people laugh, which is a really good boon, you know. And I've had enough people tell me that.
1: So um, you mentioned you know several reasons why you would have be- become a comedian, and as I say, I've read your book, and it's uh, such a colourful colourful life you've you've lived up until the point you you became a comedian and uh the big thing that you said there was i think i'll show them and i think that comes that comes across um you know i'll show you know people that people that doubted you i mean can we go back to that to that first gig because i think of all the first gig stories that comedians have i think you probably have the best one (laughs) i
3: suppose because it was it was so quick and the fact that all my friends were there and i'd yeah, I'd had a long period of time where, I'd looking back, I was depressed and sort of in addiction. Yeah, You know, I was gambling all my money in fruit machines. And I never knew where to live, and I would get jobs and lose them. And now I realised I was just an addict at the time, you know. Yeah. I didn't know what was wrong with me. So a lot of those people I had resentments against because they hadn't let me stay at their house or they'd lent me money and... Mm. and wanted it back and you know you realize when you you, you get you get clean that low it's your fault you know that that's, that's the big part of it, addiction is taking on realizing your part in it or you can't just blame everyone as you know obviously a lot of addicts have sad stories of parents got divorced or they were kicked out or this mm. but until you see your part in it you're constantly going to be going well oh, yeah but they could have done that for me and they could have done this and there's a bit of that in my book you know like,
1: there um, is there's a beautiful thing you say about uh, you know a damaged bird don't you a kind of um, yeah that's uh you know you were that bird but it doesn't help that the bird is poisoned and a, and a yeah yeah, yeah, put, yeah put over it which i thought was a really nice but yeah so I, I, nice I, metaphor. I had this
3: guy Mark Swan, who was absolutely brilliant who, who mm. helped me he dotted the i's and, and crossed the t's and, and he he was so inspirational, and I fell out of him. It's really sad, actually. You know, he, he wanted to, to sort of be in a double act with me, and I said no to that. And Anyway, he, he basically got me the wigs and said, no, do it again, rehearse, do it again. I would never would have done it without him. So when we had this 20 minutes, it was so polished and uh, different. And yeah. I was just lucky that Jim and Bob were there to judge it, because yeah, I, I, it was a talent night, and I, they judged it, and they said, you know, I won, and they said, you can come on tour with us. And, and they, for years afterwards, they would say, when I died, they said it goes over their heads, you know.
1: Yeah, it, yeah.
0: don't
3: get it. And, and I got to the point where it, it really annoyed me. I wanted to do something more broad, you know, that people did get. Because it's, it's all very well two people saying, it went over their heads, man, when you've died in front of 300 people. <laughs> managing, you know, I quite like to make the 300 laugh. At least, at least half of them. And funny enough, my last, you know, I still tore the show characters, and I wrote this bit for Billy Bleach, the pub sort of bore. Mm about Ryanair and as I wrote it I just knew that would be the thing that would go down well because it's not a strange thing about my personal life or you know like, like I call my son Kendrick which I think mm. is funny because no one gets that but <laughs> it's all about Ryanair and how terrible they are and you and you pay the extra 10 quid for VIP and in fact you have to go and sit and wait and you get on the back whatever it is I don't do the whole routine but of course <laughs> it goes down a the storm because they go oh right Ryanair they're bad and not it's not that all this is thick but it's <laughs> just, yeah. you know, I used to envy these comics that could go anywhere and make people laugh, you know, and mine was so specialised. If you got it, it was brilliant. And if you, got, if you had a room for the people who got it, it was amazing. But yeah, yeah, it got a bit boring. You know, the whole people going, yeah, man, you're the comedian. I think that's another great one. The comedian's comedian. I think there's a lot of comedians <laughs> It's okay, I'm the comedian's comedian. That's some there's of their about, skins. That's a skin. thousand dollars.
1: <laughs> yeah 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 um yes how different your career would have been maybe if you hadn't made vic and bob laugh oh, and yeah. you'd, you'd made the 300 laugh you know that's uh that's taking yeah. you down a different path isn't it but um yeah I, I mean i obviously love that story of that first gig i mean what a what a great thing to happen with Vic, Jim and uh, Bob. And yeah. I love the way you're describing the garden at the back of the pub. It's almost like a, like a flashbulb memory. It's obviously such a huge moment in your life. And I think you, you recognised that, didn't you, before you did it, as you were in that garden getting ready for that gig in front of um, Jim. Yeah, I've so,
3: been so sort of depressed just working for my mate gardening, yeah. not learning anything and not wanting to be a gardener. Mm. And, under the sort of yoke of it, and getting older and thinking, "What am I doing?" and people saying, "You should do this, and why don't you try that and watch the other people do stuff?" And having wanted to be to do something like comedy since I was ten. you know since I always did drama, and i and I, when I did drama at school, I was the one that sort of bossed all the people and said, "You play that part, but just not getting it together, you know. Mm. so I kind of the period between leaving that job and 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 working on the material, I was so much happier I got fit. Mm. And um, so I was sort of in a good place, as they say, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it all happened so quickly. It was nuts. It was yeah. completely nuts. In a year, I went from, from earning 100 quid a week to, to sort of being on Paramount City. No, it was two years to Paramount City, you know, being a yeah. lead person on Paramount City on BBC One, you know. Yeah. So it was really um, crazy.
1: Lockdown has its upsides. It allowed us to spend some time doing something we've always wanted. Andor gave us the time to fully appreciate *Tiger King*. For some, that was baking bread. For me, it was getting to grade eight in piano. But for Helen Bauer, it was something that, well, left me puzzled. Why did you see
4: that? My Twitter. I have
1: no idea, but yeah, maybe. What, oh my god! What, so what, what A, have you always done jigsaw puzzles? B, I've ne- What? What is it about jigsaw puzzles? I've never got. I've never got you know
4: it. What? I'm sorry I'm going to get stressed out here. And stuff. No, go for it. But basically, I have been a fan of puzzling for a full solid year. Puzzling? Don't, puzzling don't give
1: it a word. Puzzling?
4: Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> be respectful. Please be respectful.
1: Puzzling. Sorry. And then, Puzzle. oh
4: my God, shut your whole mouth. Shut it. <laughs> I have got several jigsaw puzzles that I own. All yeah. of a sudden, people are getting, becoming fans of jigsaw puzzles. It's Puzzling. Not
1: puzzling. <laughs> sorry that's the last I'm time so that's the last sorry time. <laughs> but i'm trying
4: my best here to represent myself and my passion really well and right. you interrupting is getting me so fucking stressed. <laughs> sorry go for it over to you <laughs> you know mickey overman
1: yeah yeah i had her on uh, a couple of couple of weeks ago yeah
4: fucking amazing so she was like my puzzling mentor
1: <laughs> she, so, she didn't mention it she didn't mention it maybe that was uh we didn't have time or maybe it was shame i don't know
4: <laughs> it's not shame she fucking loves it <laughs> okay I did a puzzle once in a little cottage in Devon, and then she was joining me the next day, and then she did it within like four hours. Like, and I was like, "You're amazing." And then no, 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 whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, back up, back up. She was joining off. you in a cottage in Devon. You did a yes. puzzle, and then the day yes. she joined you, she did the same puzzle.
4: Yes, I finished it, and then she arrived and she did it. Was
1: this a holiday or a.? Was it was pu- supposed to
4: be a holiday, but it became just Mickey sits in a puzzle.
1: <laughs> a puzzling retreat. Yes.
4: <laughs> Please let us live our lives. We're in
1: our 20s. that's <laughs> no, great. That's what that's. Yeah, I mean, I'm much older than you. This is what the young people are doing now. I don't know. It's TikTok and puzzling, isn't it? We're
4: trying our best. But then I've got like this whole collection of puzzles and then um, quarantine happened and all of a sudden
1: everyone started puzzling. (laughs) No, they didn't. No, they didn't.
4: They did, everyone's a puzzler now, they are.
1: (laughs) When you say puzzler, is it just jigsaw puzzles you're talking about? There's no other types of puzzles. Like if you do Sudoku, you're not a puzzler.
4: You can be a puzzler with Sudoku, but I know that I'm referring to jigsaw puzzles. (laughs) You're pure,
0: you're a pure puzzler.
4: You can tell I'm pure because I've got puzzlers back. I've got a little hump on the top of my neck from bending over it. But basically, I have about, I'd say, 15, 16 jigsaw puzzles that I own in my house. Right. And then I'm just sort of like, I'm very fortunate that I have some very good friends who sent some puzzles at the beginning of the quarantine. And I've got enough to keep me going. It's very exciting.
1: Nice, nice. You my you tried la- puzzle, Nathan? Like no, no, I absolutely have. I absolutely have. It's, um, yeah. Don't
4: get defensive. If you're no, I'm not defensive
1: game. at all. I'm oh just looking God, for God, the...
4: Just, like, say you enjoy it and chill <laughs> out. You're having a panic
1: attack. As this is usually a psychology um, podcast, it's not. It's not at the moment. But what is the psychology of puzzling? When do you get the endorphins? Is it as you put the last piece in? As it as, it, as you're approaching the end? Is it I'm at the not gonna start? Nathan, the
4: endorphins are like a fucking constant multi-orgasmic <laughs> rush. Turn a piece every piece, a rush. I guess,
1: you get but, in. Yeah, there's a there's a oh rush with
4: every All piece, piece isn't there? Piece I guess a fucking rush. It's like for any woman listening to this.
1: Yeah.
0: It's
4: like, the same feeling you get the first time you rest your clit on the corner of a table or something. <laughs> it's that same little like leap in your womb like when you go down on a roller coaster.
1: Right, so and a mini like, a mini orgasm then.
4: Yeah, but you can get over a thousand of those per thousand. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. When you think about it, as far as value for money, it's insane how good mm. it is
1: yeah, yeah.
4: pretty picture at the end of it like my special brand is disney puzzles that's
1: well that, that's on the box to be fair you can look at the picture just on the box you don't need the four hours of uh, <laughs> ignoring mickey overman to achieve the picture
4: she loves being ignored and she's got a puzzle it's like her mo
1: <laughs> <laughs> beautiful beautiful are
4: you happy now everyone knows that i'm
1: a loser yeah Genuinely, I just looked at the side of the, uh, the corner of the desk where I'm sitting and thinking, does that work for men as well? Anyway. Um, I mean,
4: you don't have a clip. Nathan. Like,
1: <laughs> you know nothing about me.
4: <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's
1: a shame. And of course, this past year has seen us comedians create more online content than ever on Facebook, Instagram or this new app all the kids are using, TikTok. So I got Kate Barron to explain it to me.
5: People do almost little challenge videos, so they'll do like a little dance routine or some weird little routine, yeah. uh, or just some. There's some funny videos, or people just put whatever they want on it. But uh, it's quick. It's not great, and the content is not amazing. It's very uh, flash content, and then it's gone. It's nothing substantial. Yeah. But it, you know, it's entertaining, and I've definitely. So I, I just went on there, but I'm like, I've, I've actually downloaded it and deleted it, I think three different times now because I'll be on for like a few days and then I'll just go, what am the I doing shame, here? The shame. I can't be on this shit. <laughs> the shame of it all. So Why'd that, you delete um, it?
1: Just because you don't I want anyone my to my see pretty, that you're on it? Or?
5: No, because I actually get lost in a TikTok hole where I'll oh, go, right. I'll scroll mindlessly because it goes. it's just very easy to grab your attention. I mean, that's what it's for. It's like the epitome of, short attention span everything is very quick you you swipe by content very very quickly on it you're not really taking any of it in but it can be very mindless and i can i can see that of myself and i have such like um an all or nothing personality and so when i get into it it's like when i start a series on netflix or prime or wherever uh-huh. i'm watching that series i done the entire series i don't like to focus on any other shows uh-huh. i zoom in on what so when i get into tiktok i'm just like in a tiktok hole where i'm just like all of a sudden, two hours later, I'll go, what the fuck was I just doing with those two? I don't mean, I guess it's fine for right now, and there's not a ton else to do, but I've been trying to be a little bit better, and my producer um, and director that I was working with for Fringe, which is so sadly now canceled for my debut, uh. which I was so excited for, um, I've been working with her and you know, running some ideas past her, and I came up with this idea... Um, just before this sort of all happened, right at the start of um, uh, for a TV show and a pilot, and she really likes the idea. And right. so I, you know, the other day I just had like a little surge of energy, and I drafted like ten pages of a pilot script, and so trying to do stuff like that. And I mean, who knows, right? Could go nowhere, but for for now, it's making me feel better. And I've sort of set up like a little office space in my room. That I didn't normally have, you know, London bedrooms. They're tiny. I live in a house or like a flat with. Two other people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a ton of space. So I set up like my own little office in my room. So made it so it's like a nice working area for me. Um, I made it look nice. So it's like somewhere I want to go sit down and do work or write or wherever. Whereas normally I would just like, I'm very much like, I'm out, you know, 20 hours a day usually or 18 hours a day. I'm out from like 8 a.m. till sometimes like 1 in the morning doing shows and doing my work during the day. Yeah. So I'm like a laptop in my backpack kind of person. But now, set up this little area so that's helping me but yeah and then I just honestly I FaceTime like last Saturday I had wine and I FaceTime with my friends I think I probably spent almost seven I want to say seven and a half hours (laughs) FaceTiming house party Zoom chatting with loads of different people but it's um yeah it's I think for me it's a good way to spend my time
1: Therapy comes up a lot in psychomedy, of course, but like everything, you get what you pay for. As Kim Noble told me when he described some online CBT he'd gone in for.
6: When I got in trouble for a piece of work a couple of years back, I, and I went really downhill. Um, I took on some CBT training mm. on, online, actually, and, um, and it was... it was kind of... it was free, which was good, and it was shit, which was bad. <laughs> and because um, and, um, they, I they couldn't quite understand, it's quite weird, you know, it's quite weird to kind of say, try, like explain what I do to th- various therapists. <laughs> um, so I was trying to explain and I, it came down to just being, okay, well, you've got to confront your fear of getting up in front of people and being funny or not being funny, do it? just getting up in front of people. So. It was that thing that... I don't know what they... Oh, God, i forgot the name of it now. When you do... Like, if you're scared of spiders, you might look at a picture of a spider on day one, day two. Systematic
1: desensitisation. Yeah.
6: There, there we go. Um, and so initially I had to get on a bus, go into public and smile at somebody. <laughs> okay? And they kind yeah. of got me to do it on a bus. I don't know why it was a bus, but, like, going to public... And do that. And then the next stage was speak to someone who I didn't know on, on a bus. And then stage three was um, go, drive, go and the drive the bus. Drive, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then blow up the bus. <laughs> I didn't know what I was getting into. I'm pretty sure it was CBT. <laughs> um, but, and then, but the stage before that was go up and tell someone a joke. I mean, I don't, well, I've never told any <laughs> jokes in my life, but yeah. it meant. Get, it was, I would be shit, shitting it up to the really shitting it, going up to, my, and that's kind of the worst thing I think I've ever possibly done in my life. And they thought this would be a key to helping me, and it was like it just. I just ended up looking like a complete wanker, mentally ill. If, if anyone comes up to in a bus and tells you a joke, they're mental, right? And it was like, I am mentally ill, and I looked really mentally ill. And I was also scared and probably sweating at the same time. And they thought that was a good idea. So doing something every day that scares you is... Oh, even you saying that kind of terrifies me in a way. <laughs>
1: yeah. God, that's awful. I mean, what, what people don't talk about, maybe with therapy, and I'm a big exponent of, of therapy, and yeah, um, of course. yeah, is that there is shit therapy as well, yes. as you say. There is shit advice that you get. A mate, yeah. a mate of mine was talking about he was really struggling at work, working from home. So we phoned yeah. a therapist. And the therapist said, Well, why did not you start by counting? the right angles in the, the room that you're
6: oh, in wow
1: and he said why don't you um, Wow! If you, if you get anxious that's... why don't you count backwards from 100 he was like this is shit
6: yeah yeah shit, count the, <laughs> i actually really like the count count the right angles if you've got <laughs> if you got isn't that that's a great count the right angles it's incredible <laughs> oh man
1: it didn't help him it didn't no, help him. maybe no
6: but I've written it down. That's that's going. To, <laughs> I've written down a post-it now, That's going on my wall after this. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. No it's, therapy. Ca- is, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I think mm. for people. Oh my god! I'm actually going to give some advice out. Is that? That's, yeah. No. Of course. Sounds. Ah, what a wanker! Uh, but I think people who are new, who don't, who don't know therapy, it's often tricky because you go to therapy when you're possibly in a in a difficult time right or or Mm. or you're you're seeking seeking answers and you might be quite sensitive or whatever and you know you sometimes you know you just want any help and so you go to the first one or and actually that's not often the best thing to do because it's about that Mm. relationship or about finding the person that you kind of connect with or has the right attitude to you not the person that tells you to do count right angles, or or tell <laughs> jokes, or blow up buses. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A good therapist will say maybe after a first session, this
1: isn't working for me. So it's kind exactly,
6: of, yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, totally, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, the person I'm currently with is absolutely took took a while. He hates what I did. The can't. He got cross with me actually, which is quite weird. About when I told him what I did, you know. Anyway, there we go. <laughs> right. And finally
1: this month doing Psychomedy has given me the opportunity to get to know some friends on the circuit better and to meet my heroes. And true comedy heroes and legends Trevor and Simon were the perfect way to celebrate our 100th episode of Psychomedy. So much so I used the podcast to stage a reunion which might just happen for real when live comedy returns.
7: I'm flattered that you, you should say the second half, because I think realistically <laughs> we're, in our, yeah. we're at, at our best, we're in our last third, I think. No,
0: no, really no, so no. is isn't it?
7: Oh. Well, yeah. I mean, well, if, if, no. if I'm going to be 58 in August, so that mm. would put me nearly 90 if I'm in my last third, you know. How old do you think you're
1: going to live to? I think you're going to live till 116, Simon, and you're going to be doing—you're going to be spitting on Captain Tom Moore's <laughs> legacy by saying he was only 100. You're going to be dancing, <laughs> fully naked, with a daffodil dough.
7: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounds good, actually I mean, yeah, sounds good. Like, oh, We uh, never say never to anything So, like, well, I think because because of the nature of how we work now That if things come come along that appeal to us, we do them If yeah. they don't appeal to us, we don't do them So, yeah. you know, it's difficult to say But I don't think... We never, yeah. we never shut ourselves off to anything, really. Yeah,
1: yeah. So. Do you ever come and visit the Edinburgh Fringe? Have you been there the last four or five years? Have you ever revisited a, your old hunting grounds? Not
0: for a long time. I've I not I, I've been to Glasgow, but I haven't been over to Edinburgh for a while. I'd like to, yeah. actually. That'd be fun to do. Oh, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I do know that in, in 2021, September 2021, me and Simon will be going to the Royal Albert Hall to see oh. Steve Martin and Martin Short, because we were oh, meant oh, to nice. be going just before the lockdown and it was cancelled and right. uh, so beautiful. That,
7: we were going on march the 14th on march the 14th we were going on yeah. march the 13th they cancelled it yeah they called it, the day before
0: yeah so i did tell my son that and he said oh that's a long time ago and i said yes sir, i hope i'm still around
7: to go you know and he thought i, was I think Trev, <laughs> <really> <laughs> let me think this through let me think <laughs> this through in 2034 we're going to do a 50th anniversary Edinburgh show, Trevor. Yes.
1: Okay. Yes. Right.
7: Yes how about that how about let's plan ahead 2034 i'll tell you what if we plan ahead now it's going to be a hell of a show yeah
0: it's going to be great i'll
7: tell you what though
0: actually next year and this is the same as my uh, it's when i met kath my wife at the same time 40 years ago it's 40 years uh, 2021 it's 40 years since we started our friendship you know
1: wow yeah. well i mean um, no no promises but of course the edinburgh fringe has had a year off this year so it's going to be a big year for edinburgh next year so if you are around sure. for a day you don't have to promise this at all but promise me you'll do something and i'll 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 create the space for you to do to it to celebrate and, uh, 40
0: years 40, 40 years to be amazing because
1: wow. uh, i i run shows up there and i produce shows and we have spaces and great spaces and my good even just for, for a day you could come in and it will well, be amazing what you have to do what you have
7: to do nathan is just kind of create something whereby you host uh, uh, yeah. some kind of chat show with us and absolutely we and well we, talk we can about 40 years we can we recreate we'll this
1: it. brilliant that would be incredible um we'd,
7: we'd <laughs> be funnier for that
1: <laughs> the amazing trevor and simon there and that is our show for today but join us again next month for more side comedy on apple podcast spotify uk or wherever you get your podcasts if you liked it please give us a five-star review it helps other people to find us, and only psychopaths leave three-star reviews. Psych Comedy was written and presented by me, Nathan Cassidy, BSC in Psychology, produced and edited by Mike Hansen, BA English for Pop People Productions, theme music by Mike as well. You can get mental health support via our counselling partners at threadup.co.uk, and also please check out my other podcast, a Daily Nugget of Comedy and Piano, and that's Daily Notes, DailyNotes.co.uk. So that's Psycomedy. Please subscribe and rate and listen back on all the great episodes so far. They're listed and there's video clips and more at Psychomedy.co.uk. And if you'd like to support the podcast for £5 a month and get loads of bonus uncut video and more, please go to patreon.com slash Nathan Cassidy. Follow us on social media at Pop people UK, at Psy Pod at Nathan Cassidy. Lots of love. Thank you so much for all the support during lockdown, all the downloads, all the love. Thank you so much. We will be back soon. See you again next month.
0: Pod People.